Welcome to the Tablecast Podcast. Come to the table with Melissa and Amanda, where real women have real conversations. To learn more about Tablecast, visit cometothetablepodcast.com or find us on Facebook. All right. Well, welcome. This is the start of season two. This is our first episode. Um, We are excited to be back. We've had a nice little break. Um, This should be good fun. So shall we open up in prayer? Karina, do you want to lead us in prayer? Sure. Uh, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for um, just being who you are, Lord. Um, I'm so excited for this year uh, this season and come to the table, Lord. And I just thank you for, for your guidance and leadership in this, uh, um, I guess, purpose that you have for us here, Lord. Um, I just pray for the ladies who are out there listening. Lord, I pray that, um, their lives will glorify you, Lord, and that through this ministry, um, that they will be blessed, Lord, and that we will bless you as well. Lord, I just, um, I praise you for all the things that you have planned and just for your goodness, Lord, you are our amazing God. So Father, as we just uh, prepare to go into this this lesson, me-centric, Lord, please just show us what it is that you would have us um, learn from this time. And I just lift this in Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Well, yes, like Arena said, this episode is entitled uh, Me Centric. And that, um, I guess I'll just kind of lay out a little foundation of where that came from. I was listening to a devotion, a podcast. I was listening to something. I don't remember what. And the author, the speaker said, worshiping the things of God is not worshiping God. And it was one of those moments where God stopped me in my tracks and opened my eyes um, to a lot of lies that I've been believing and a lot of things that I've been um, running in my life um, that are not what he called me to, are... uh, not even truths or just things that have been blindsiding me that I wasn't even aware of. And it's funny because, uh, the other day, Amanda texted and said she had gone to our local Bible store. You know, we live up here in Northern Colorado. We have one local Bible store. If you don't want to, maybe two, I guess, but if you don't want to drive all the way to like Denver, you know, you, you just have this one little store. And this whole time through COVID, I drive up the interstate and you can see the sign. And one day the sign was gone. So in my mind, I just made this whole scenario that they closed down because of COVID. They didn't make it. This is horrible. Where am I going to go shop, um, you know, for Christian merchandise or a Bible? Um, because I didn't have one. I last one I ended up giving away to a lady and I've been without like the book. I have my phone, which is great, but I really love having a book to hold. And uh, the other day you texted and I was like, I thought they closed. And you're like, I don't know. I went to it a couple months ago. So <laughs> I drove over there and sure enough, it was open. It had just moved like six doors down. But because I couldn't see the sign from the interstate, I just assumed it closed. And I just bring up that story because this is the same exact narrative that I was at in my walk with the Lord, where 
I had assumed a lot of things and I was just driving the interstate of life and something, you know, and I just created a whole story in my mind of this is how my life is. This is who I am. This is my identity. These are the things I do. This is why I do it. Um, and God just opened my eyes. He's like, you believe this whole thing, which ended up just being a big lie. And the truth is I've been sitting right over here waiting for you. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just, I thought of that just that this, I was like, it's just like, trying to find the Bible store. <laughs> I would have told you, like, I'm very confident in the things I share with people. <laughs> so <laughs> I would have been like, they closed and they're, they're poor store. I'm not doing them any good advertising because <laughs> just because they took the sign down, but they're alive and well and open. So, um, just a little parallel to kind of give you an idea of what I had experienced. And once my eyes were open to that, uh, little things that I, I've seen over the years, or, you know, the last few months or whatever, just going through life, um, just really became so evident that it's not just a me issue, it's a cultural issue. Um, and especially, you know, we're a podcast here for Christian women. Um, and so we really speak pretty directly to like the believer. Um, but I think a lot of us struggle in this me centric. Um, and that was the label that, um, that I started calling it in my own life that I don't want to be so me focused even in, in church or in my worship. Um, and so I had to, I gave it a label of me centric. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I think that when you, um, brought up that term me centric, so my background is in psychology and me centric is egocentric, but I never really <laughs> right. the word me really put it more. You know, like other people could be egocentric, right? yeah. but like when it's you know, I really thought, wow, that's a lot more of a very direct way of focus. You know, like thinking about it because mm -hmm. there's so many areas when you talk about lies. There are so many lies that we are. Um, believing i think as a culture mm -hmm. you know we are groomed to believe lies um it's in our it's on social media it's on television it's on it's in our politics it's in our schools there are so many things that we have been conditioned to believe and one of those big things is that god is all about me mm-hmm and really, that's so contradictory to scripture. Right. Any scripture that you see, like that you read in the Bible, there's only one moment where it's about me, which is at my salvation point, and then it's never about me again, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Um, so it's really, it has really made me evaluate a lot of different things in my life, uh, my marriage, my relationship with my children, my relationship with people at work, because I feel like, I focus so much on myself in relation to everyone else. And, and I never considered myself to be that kind of selfish person. Well, right. and I, I think um, it, a lot of it is just like the culture that we live in. And, um, you know, through everything, um, there's, you know, been political unrest and, and things with, you know, especially with like racial tension and everything that I think where we personally live, it... Um, it's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around because that's just not 
a part of the culture that we live in. And so we could be very me centric and be like, well, I don't understand why this is such a big deal. Like it's not a big deal here and completely be blind to the idea that it could be a big deal anywhere else. And something that kind of opened my eyes to this is my husband and my son, um, at the end of eighth grade, they have the opportunity to take this trip to Washington, D.C. in New York. And um, last year was my son's eighth grade year. And because of COVID, they couldn't go on the trip. So they just got eight to go last week. And um, some stuff wasn't open that they typically go on on this trip. And so they had to kind of like adapt and find other places to go. So for the first time in this trip, they went to Gettysburg. And my husband... I was like, was it cool? Like, you know, what was it? And he's like, it was so eye-opening. He's like, because he goes, I almost feel like ripped off to a point because he goes, I didn't, he's like, I knew Gettysburg was like a big thing. Like it was a big battle. He goes, I didn't realize like just how important and how pivotal Gettysburg was to the turning point of the Civil War and had those 1200 men that that that's all that was left had they not held on until you know more troops arrived we could still be living in confederate states and still have things like slavery like we could be living in a completely different country right now and he goes i had no idea and he goes so i was talking to the tour guide like are you aware that they don't teach this in history class <laughs> like you know and the tour guys said well you must live west of the Mississippi River. And my husband's huh. like, well, yeah, we do. And he goes, yeah, back east here, we learn, we learn this. You learn like, all about th- it. This is part of, you know. And so they kind of started swapping stories, you know. And But it's like, it, and then that kind of made me think, um, I grew up in Wyoming. And um, when I, I was in high school sometime and I got chose to go to this 4-H thing where uh, 4-H ambassadors from all over the country came to this big conference and, you know, you start mingling with other people, you know, from other states and everything. And someone said, well, where are you from? And I was like, from Wyoming. And they're like, oh my gosh, do you ride your horse to school? And it's like, um, no, that's not a thing. No, we actually have cars. <laughs> like we have cars, <laughs> like, you know, but it's, that's their perception. And we let our own, that the culture that surrounds us, we let it, drive our perception of things Mm -hmm. and then we get our own personal selfishness in there and and then we have completely wrong ideas about a whole lot of things right Mm -hmm. finishing the story yeah what melissa was talking about yeah you just make up your own rest of the story i'm just like oh the store closed (laughs) (laughs) i guess i'm not going there anymore yeah (laughs) well and then we start living that way yeah yeah i mean i can even think of and i think i've shared this before like talking as like a parent Mm -hmm. i've taught my kids to be me centric because my focus was on them making their lives comfortable making sure they had everything that they not only needed, but everything I wanted when I was their age or that I thought I would think would be cool, right. even if they didn't want it. And what a struggle that's been because it's, it's hindered their character growth. Well, and we were talking about that earlier because I, I really wanted to know, because they say like, you know, these younger generations, you know, Gen, the millennials, Gen Z, you know, and then whatever they're going to call. Generation X, don't forget us. <laughs> <laughs> We're the but, best. 
Yeah, but uh, which <laughs> the forgotten side generation? Note, I'm sorry, we're like the smallest no. generation with like baby boomers on one side, and then this plethora of young people. Side note: Like I was born in '84, <laughs> and so like I just yes. found out I am like because I've always been annoyed that I'm considered a millennial. Yeah, because I feel like I don't live that right? way. I yeah. feel like I identify better with like with us Gen, Gen Xers. Xers. Yeah. But yeah, I found out. Do you know what? Like my technical term is. Oh, but what? I am considered a geriatric millennial. <laughs> oh my gosh! So wow. like at that. Awesome. I, That's awesome. My me centricness. I felt very like attacked by <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> label, but. Okay, that was a total <laughs> side, note. side note, but that's hilarious. Anyway, so like I was looking like why, you know, why are these younger generations everyone complains about how self-centered and how selfish they are and um, you know, my my oldest was able to get a job and like the guy he works for was like, you know, I can't find anyone who wants to, like no teenager wants right. to come work with me, like, you know. And um it's I, I really started digging back and, you know, you have these generations that they live through the world wars. They live through the depression. Um, they experience the baby boom. They experience what it's like to like raise kids. I mean, like I remember hearing stories from my family, like one room house, dirt floor, wood mm-hmm. stove, like raising five kids. Like, I mean, they live through all these things. And so with each generation, I think it came out of love and out of this like drive to, uh, like you said, Arena, I want to make my kids' life better. I want to have them not have to face what I had to face. Or I felt cheated because I didn't get X, Y, and Z. So I want to give that to my kids. And we've slowly, just with every generation, we've created an environment where... We don't have to experience disappointment right? Mm-hmm. because, you know, if you, if you lose, it's fine. We don't keep score and mm-hmm. everyone gets a trophy at the end. So, right. you know, you don't have to experience disappointment. You don't have to experience perseverance because like arena, we were talking earlier and you said like, everything's at our fingertips. You, you know, two day shipping for Amazon is kind of annoying, you yeah. know, when you have to wait two whole days, mm-hmm. you know, and if, if you don't think you live that way, let your internet work a little slow and you see (laughs) just how, you know, focused on those things that we are. And a byproduct of this is we've created these generations with, I like, I don't know any other phrase to call it, but other than like Brandy always says, like the, the, um, the precious angel syndrome, Mm -hmm. whereas Mm -hmm. my kid is the center of my universe. And that's great. Your kid is the center of your universe, but it's not the center of the whole universe, you know? And, as a, a symptom of this syndrome, we've created an environment where now not only do you have to not experience hardship or anything like that, you don't understand a need for a savior. Right. And weak character equals weak faith, I yes. think. And and you're right. Like you don't, in your mind, and I think what we, we experience through our children and even ourselves like that me centric piece is um there's no need for a savior but there's a lot of need for a pill that will fix things or um another relationship that will fix things or a better job or a nicer car or all of these things that people 
do to try to fill voids. And what we're seeing in our culture is a higher suicide rate, even Mm -hmm. in in young children Um, or, you know, adolescents. We're seeing um, more divorce. We are seeing um, division throughout our country. We are seeing so many things that God speaks to in prophecy Mm -hmm. because there is this lack of a recognition of Mm -hmm. the need for our Savior. Right, and then a need to satisfy our emotions and our desire. Well, and, and, and how we're going about that, it's changed over time. But this idea of having a me-centric life, this is as old as scripture itself. Right. Yeah. Like God created the world and then he created Adam and Eve and then they got selfish. Right. Like this is from the beginning. And I was reading in um, Joshua the other day and Joshua twenty one twenty five. Um, or no, not Josh. Was it Joshua? It might be Judges. I'm pretty sure it's Judges. I think I just wrote it down wrong. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. Okay, well, you do that. Can I share this? Yes. Okay, not this is it, there's such a perfect lead in of like, um, I love that you said that. Like, this isn't a new issue. This issue is as old as almost like time itself, yeah. just honestly. And you know, when we think about idols, we think about, um, a lot of times you do like golden calf. We always think of things outside of ourselves, but what happens when we become the idol, when we're the idol that's taking us away from God. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's awesome that you went back to Genesis cause that's my favorite place to go with everything. And so we know that God created, um, the heavens and the earth and he said that everything was good and he created mm-hmm. Adam and Eve and everything is good. Um, but we know some point between that and the fall of man, something happened um, in heaven and Satan was cast out. Um, but I wanna read that, that's in Ezekiel uh, 28, 12 through 17. And while I'm reading this, I want you to just listen first, um, comparing and contrasting the similarities to man and to the fall as you know it, you know, in in your own mindset. Um, And this is Ezekiel is talking about um, Satan being cast out of heaven. It says, you were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to earth and I made a spectacle of you before kings. And so what stood out to me as I was reading this was, you know, Satan is the, is created. He was created by God. You know, we're created by God. And this is like, so full of wisdom, perfect in beauty, you know, that's God created us that way, you know, and not that we are similar to angels in that because God breathed his life into us and we are distinct in that. But the similarity in this you know, Satan was anointed as a guardian cherub. Man was anointed as a caretaker of God's garden, mm-hmm. like go out and subdue and, and take care. And so there's so many similarities in this to, but then he talks about what led Satan to fall it was Satan began to himself became the idol 
Like he mm-hmm. began to worship the thing of God. He began to worship his beauty. That's where our pride comes from is when we become the idol. And so I no wonder he wanted to <laughs> have us fall <laughs> also. <laughs> you know, you can just see that parallel, yeah. especially if you are this created being who's become so full of yourself um, that you begin to worship yourself and have no place for God anymore. Now you're like, oh, this is God's beloved creation. Yeah. You know, I'm going to take him out. So it is, it is judges. Like, cause go. once I said it, it was like Joshua. I was like, no, that's not what I read in Joshua the other day. <laughs> so judges 21, 25, it says in those days, there was no King in Israel. Everyone did what, whatever seemed right to him. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where we are now. Right, yeah. We, we don't have, there was no King. Like at the end of last season, we went, we did that mm-hmm. series King of my heart. And if Jesus isn't the king of your heart, you have no king. And so you're just going to do whatever seems right to you. Right, right. And, I mean, we we see that. And, I mean, you see, I mean, just, I, I look at the people that I interact with and the people that I do life with, and I see, um, I see people who point me to God, and I see people who help me stay focused on that. Mm-hmm. But then you also see people that, I mean, they're, you get so wrapped up in yourself that, you know, you, you hear phrases like, well, I'm just, I'm so busy. I'm just so busy. Well, that, you know, part of like, that's a choice. Like, Mm -hmm. and life is busy and like having a family, it's busy. But when you make that, when we start to focus on that, we make that busyness our idol. Mm -hmm. We, we become very self-focused because then it's the, well, I, you can't possibly understand because you can't possibly be as busy as I am. Right. Or, I mean, I've, I've watched people walk away from their family because right. they feel like they're not getting out of their marriage and out of their family what they feel like they, they're, they in, deserve entitled, they're entitled to and what mm-hmm. they deserve. And so it's just easier just to walk away and call it quits. And that it's just so heartbreaking because there's no perseverance and there's no, you know, you look at these stories and Adam and Eve and Abraham and, and the Israelites in the desert and, Mm -hmm. and all the judges, there's God sends these trials to build character. Like you were saying, Mm -hmm. arena and build their faith because they needed to see they needed a savior. They needed redemption. Right. And here's my favorite one. God wants me to be happy. (laughs) You know, so I don't feel like I should, what, I don't know, stay married. I don't feel like I should do this anymore. I don't feel like I need to hang out with those people or I don't have to do this or whatever because God wants me to be happy and that Mm -hmm. just inconveniences Mm -hmm. me. And it's that whole, it's just so me focused, you know, and I mean, those things are, those things are easy to see. And then, but what about when we turn that into the things that we think we need to do for God? Like in our ministry and in, um, even in our family or I don't know. I feel like that's another one of those lies that Satan uses because I mean, honestly, um, as Christian women, hopefully we are not going to go and deliberately like just, you know, do things that God's already shown us that are not okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so what's the best way for Satan to get us? off track with God is to get us to do too many good things, good quote unquote, good things that are for the church or are for God that God's not really in. He's not asking us to do. Mm-hmm. And again, 
where does that focus? Me. I'm doing what yeah. I think I should do for the church. And then we become our own kind of self-proclaimed martyrs. Yep. Um, which is, again, about me. Me. Yeah. Um, I liked the story that you shared earlier about Moses. Oh, yeah. So, um that's where I was reading a Joshua yeah. <laughs> so, um, because I, I, um, I'm doing this study where we're going through and it's just kind of like taking snippets from each, each book of the old Testament. And, um, so each day you just kind of are reading a different snippet from a different book. And so, um, in Joshua, it was, Joshua was reminding them what Moses was talking about. So then in Deuteronomy, um, Moses, because if you kind of back up, like in the Exodus, they're, you know, they're going through the desert and Moses decides to not seek God. And he's like, oh, well, the last time we needed water, I had to whack a rock. And so I'm just going to do that again. And God's like, uh, I didn't want you to do it that way that time. So you didn't ask me. And so you don't get to enter the promised land. God was, um, and I think this is so important that we understand because in the me, when we get very me centric, we forget that. Yes, God is forgiving and God is patient and God is loving, but he also isn't going to just ignore our rebellion and our sin and just sweep it under the rug and act like it didn't happen. He's going to address it and he's going to hold us accountable. And so we might look at what God did to Moses as harsh. God or Moses, you can't enter the promised land. Um, but I mean, that who are we to say, you know, I, I think there would have been other punishments that would have been even more harsh. But so Moses is not allowed to enter the promised land. So we're getting to the end of the 40 years in the desert and they're right up at the, the border to the promised land. And Moses knows he can't go in. God told him, you're, you're done here. You can't enter the promised land. So he knows either I'm going to die soon or I'm going to be left here alone in the wilderness and everyone else is going to get to go forward. And he could have thrown a pity party at that point. He could have, like, I try to put myself in his shoes and I definitely could have, knowing my personality, I would have been like, you guys have been annoying and ridiculous <laughs> for 40, 40 years. years. <laughs> you guys have drove me crazy. You have been impatient. You have been whining. You throw a fit and say it would have been better if you just let us all die in Egypt. To heck with you guys. You do you. Go ahead. Have a great life. I'm going to stay here with God. Yeah. But instead, he took the last moments he had with those people. And that's what the book of Deuteronomy is. Is he took those last moments with them. And he reminded them of all of God's promises. All of his provisions. And the structure. The guidelines that God laid out for godly living in their lives. He reminded them of that because he was trying to set them up for success, to be the most successful that they could be in their relationship with God, moving into the promised land. And as I was reading that, it just kind of like had me think like, do I do that? Do I put other people's, am I so concerned about... I want you to know that there is a God who created you, who loves you so deeply and sent his son to die for you so that you don't have to experience the punishment for your sins. Do I put that above being annoyed that someone cut me off in traffic? 
do I put that above the person who is like walking too slowly in the line at the grocery store or, you know, all of those little things that we let get to us because we are so self-focused because our time, our our agenda, our whatever is the most important to us. We are so me-centric. Right. Especially like when I think of Moses, especially when he knew that God had already spoken on his fate as far as like whether it like it was no benefit to him it wasn't like we say with god you know we bargain like okay well god i'm gonna do this if you take back what you you know if you take back the consequence and you let me go in i'll go ahead and finish moses was willing to finish what god started his heart desired that because he wasn't thinking about himself right and 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 i think of that sometimes because i know that it's easy to you know, follow God when I see a benefit to doing it. Mm-hmm. But what if I don't see a benefit to doing that? Right. And am I still willing? And I've been really struggling with that because I feel like we had our retreat. So we all went on a retreat together to really sit in prayer. And it was awesome. And I felt God was just like, you know, like the Holy Spirit was just so powerful during that time. And mm-hmm. it's like going up to the mountain, but then you have to come back down to, right. Reality. to the, you know, to the people. And, um, I feel like I've been attacked ever since then. And I think, um, and, and God really asked me, he's like, are you willing to lay yourself down? And I said, yes, whatever you ask me to do. And then all of a sudden I, I know specifically it was the enemy because God's like, remember the way the, you know, the, um, the war is not between you and another human being. Right. It's spiritual are you willing to lay yourself down? And I'm like, yes, but I feel like the enemy's like pushing my face in the dirt and I can't even breathe. You didn't I'm like, mention God, the trampling. Yeah, do you mind if, like, I was like, God, could you give me a minute to breathe? Like, I feel like I'm under a big wave and I can't even catch my breath. And he kept asking me, are you willing to lay yourself down? And last week I had this time where I was just, the whole day I'm like, okay, God, I'm, I want the spirit and, you know, like, where are you? Like, I want to do this. But all I found myself doing all day was feeding my negativity and asking God to agree with me. Now, at the time, I really feel like the enemy was still like blinding me or, or I wasn't hearing because I all day long really felt like I was seeking the spirit. And that night I walked with a friend and I had such a conviction that all you've been, God was like, all you've been doing is complaining to me all day. You haven't been seeking my spirit. You haven't been asking me to join you. You've just been complaining me. Well, you've been asking me to join you in your misery and asking me <laughs> to agree with your misery. But that's not the point. Are you willing to lay yourself down? Are you willing to experience the misery and find my joy in it? And that completely shifted me because I did not realize how much I had, um, even been claiming that I was doing something in my own mind that was was what God wanted me to and focusing on myself. Well, and I I think even because that that's where I have to really focus. Like I'm not getting in my own self of my own pity, but also when things are going well and you kind of get in this like things are good, things are great. And then, you know, you're I kind of caught myself um I, you know, like when your kids are little and you're stuck at home all the time, like, did you guys hate your house? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like I hated my house because like I was stuck there. And every time I looked at something, I'm like, I hate 
the decor in my house. I hate my carpet. I hate my floors. I hate my walls. I want to paint them. This is annoying. I hate, I hate my whole house. But then once like my kids got older and I started working, like my house was fine. Like it didn't, it didn't bother me at all. And it was, it was great. And now we're at a place where, um, I haven't been working. I've been staying home with my kids and like, I've, I'm in a place where I'm very, very blessed that my husband has the job that he does that we're, we weren't financially ruined by me quitting my job and staying home with the kids. And I, I caught myself, I'm like, I'm back to hating my house. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, why am I that way? And it's because, well, life is going so well. I feel like I deserve more. Right. Uh, life is going great right now. So I feel like I deserve better. And the verse that God brought me to was Isaiah 40 verse eight, the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God remains forever. All of this stuff, all of these things I hang on my wall, my carpet, all of this stuff that I think would make me feel better if I could just remodel my kitchen. It right. would make me feel better if I could just do X, Y, and Z. If I could get a new car, if I could whatever, whatever, whatever. It's all going to go away. Right. God remains forever. Right. And I like how you said, you know, that, that gospel point of like, does the other person, whoever it is that I come into contact to, does their relationship with Christ, does whether they are eternally going to spend eternity <laughs> disconnected from God or in his presence, does that matter to me more than what I have hung on my walls? Does it matter to me more than my glory? So as we go out and we do things, my job, my title, my, I mean, even in your kids' life, um, does me being like the best mom matter more than their salvation? Um, and I got to be honest for me, um, I've spent a lot of years serving in the church as a worship leader. And honestly, I had to, and I want to say the words, throw it all away, but in a way of, of purging that from my life, because when I got to this point of me centric and I, and I came to those verses about, you know, Satan's fall and worshiping. I mean, that's that sentence of like, are you worshiping the things of God? It's not the same as worshiping God. Does your salvation and me sharing the gospel with you, was that for you because I care and I love about you or is it more important that I look good while doing something? Mm -hmm. And, and it's not that every single time that I stood on a stage and held a microphone or every single time that I did anything, you know, was not for God or yeah. spoke. God has done amazing things that I don't even deserve to be a part of. But when I really was face to face with God's conviction of like, where's your heart at? Um, I, you know, it, be open and honest and say, you know what? That's where I was at. Yeah. I want to be, I want to be a rock star. You know, I, there is no shame in my game to be like, I would love <laughs> to be a rock star. I'm a theater kid. Like I love the stage and I love, but I will never forget the moment that God told me so clearly get out of my spotlight, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was long before he brought all of these things mm -hmm. into my life. But then I find myself back at that place because that's a struggle because that's an idol because of right. that. I'm me centric. Mm -hmm. And, and in all of that, um, you know, God was like, we always, we try really hard in this group to not, you know, spit out cliches yeah. um, and be like, oh, well, you know, everything will be all right or whatever. You know, I don't know. You pick your, God. yeah, we don't <laughs> yeah. want to do that. And if we do say those things, we want to give you meaning and purpose behind it. But that where God brought me was, am I enough? Is Jesus enough? Mm -hmm. We say it. I'd be yeah. like, well, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough for you. Well, you know, if you just have Jesus, Jesus is enough. 
But when do you come face to face with these things and do you just pass them off and be like, yeah, Jesus is enough and I'm going to go about it? Or do you stop and take these things, these, these promptings, these inclinations from God when he says, am I enough? And just sit in that and mm-hmm. meditate on it and be in his presence and say, okay, God, I, I want to say blindly, yeah, you're enough. But like, I also know that this, that God's word is true. Yeah. You know, and I want to live out the truth of God. And so when he says, am I enough? And I had to wrestle with that. Mm-hmm. I had to wrestle with that. And, and my wrestling brought me to a couple of thoughts. Number one, I was like, okay, are you enough? Okay. So God is good. God is great. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Like being in a loving relationship with God. Like it's just, it's wonderful. And so, but what if... What if it wasn't? I mean, it's not because that's against his nature. Yeah. But, okay, so what if there was no blessing? Is Jesus enough? Okay, well, Job went through that, you know, and I was mm-hmm. like not expecting to be put back into the place of, of Job. But this is what God said to Job is he just said, and this is in Job 38. And he says, were you there when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? Like, were you there? Were you there? Like, are, yeah. you are not God. <laughs> right. you know? And I and think so. that's, like, those are the questions. But because what you said was you have to ask yourself and you have to be willing to acknowledge the yeah. truth. Yeah. Because if we don't start out with the truth which we know that the only truth is God's truth. Amen. Yep. Then we can't move forward from that. And I think that's the important piece that we all kind of recognized mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is first of all, just acknowledging it. And we are all human beings and we are all me centric to a point. Yeah. We have to acknowledge that first and then God can start cultivating our heart to be focused on him and to care at the most about the salvation of other people, because that's really what we're called to, to share the gospel. Right. Absolutely. Right. So I think that's a really awesome place to kind of like wrap up because like you said, like we have to get to a point where we move past this place where it's all about Me. me. Yeah. And that comes from God's truth. And so where do you go when you feel you are, me centric like what where do you go in scripture like where does god kind of take you and then we can kind of end on that honestly he could take me to a lot of places but um my go-to book is usually james because um i struggle with the things he speaks about Mm -hmm. so um but i always start with prayer and god leads me to a lot of different scriptures Mm -hmm. that speak to what he wants me to focus on yeah I'm kind of like with you, Melissa. Um, I go to Job quite a bit. I think God brings me there to be like, really, your life sucks so bad. (laughs) Really? Oh, you poor pitiful person. He's just a picture of, what if there was no blessing? Well, that's all that's a picture of. Satan was like, yeah, well, Job only likes you because you're good Mm -hmm. to him. And um, (laughs) I I love the book of Judges just because um, when my kids were little, we found this... um, series called what's in the bible by phil visher um it's it's awesome but they go through the books of the bible and i really didn't um have words for why i liked the book of judges so much until the puppets on what's in the bible told me Um, it's called the cycle of apostasy (laughs) and um it's this cycle of my life is great 
I don't need God. I'm going to do whatever the heck I want. Oh, no, my life is crap because God has to hold me accountable for my poor choices. So now I'm going to cry out to God because I need him. And God is like, really, we're doing this again. Okay, fine. Let's send a judge in to kind of like help you and get you past this point in the hope because God is in the business of restoration and redemption. Mm -hmm. And but he doesn't forget that he's also in the business of accountability and discipline and trying to shape us into being a more godly person. And so um, that's kind of where I go, just because if I'm feeling a little too big for my britches, um, God can put me in my place in there. But then also if I'm kind of throwing a pity party, he, he can use that as well. Right. Um, for me, the, the place that I got to, the phrase that God gave me as I rounded out this me-centric um, working, this inward working, this, you know, wrestling. It's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to have these conversations. God can handle it. Like That's the one thing, like, God can handle it. Whatever you're feeling, even you're complaining, even, you know, even misguided complaining. Um, you know, when you're totally missing the sign and you think the store has closed, you know, <laughs> God... God is just so faithful and so patient and so loving. And that is where he brought me that he didn't even, not even the whole, the whole scripture. He just said, for God so loved, you know, when you get to the place of like, okay, was I there? I was not there. You know, who, who told, who put the stars in the sky? Who told the ocean it can only come so far, you know, God. And I was not there, but for God so loved that regardless of what I do, regardless of who I am, God loves. And, and his love for me is not dependent on on anything that I do, anything that I say, whether I'm good, whether I'm bad, whether like none of it, there's, there's nothing. But in Philippians, um, two, verse 12 through 13, it says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed. So now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So that's that wrestling, that place when God stops you with something, you know, work it out, work it mm -hmm. out with God. Um, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do according to his good purposes. And so holding on to that in this life, like we, we are always going to struggle in this flesh with selfishness, with our me-centricness, but being attuned and alert to when God puts up that little red flag, whatever that looks like for you, whatever that spidey sense is, whatever that... Whatever that looks like when you, when there's a, hmm, at that, what was that? Sit with it, wrestle with mm -hmm. it, have, have a conversation, be in relationship with God. He's got a ton of stuff to say to you and, and he's, he's truth. And so regardless of what we think or what we feel, you know, God's word is true and, and he's, he's quite adept to wrestle with us through that. So Absolutely. that's where I get to. Awesome. Well, thank you, ladies. I think this was an exciting way Yay. to start season two. Um, we are so excited. We um, have so much in store for you this season. And so next month we are going to dive into the topic of religion versus relationship. Yeah. What a great springboard and, we're on. <laughs> yeah. So um, me-centric definitely comes from... Um, I, I feel like the, the place of religion mm -hmm. and um, being free of that and having God be enough yeah. is that place of a relationship with him. So yeah. thanks for listening. And um, we just uh, pray that you 
as as you're going through your week and as you're you're going through um, just your your time with God, that um, He can use His Word in just such an amazing um, way in your life, and that you can hold to it as absolute truth. Don't forget to reach out if you guys need anything, and know that um, you know you can reach us through Facebook. You can reach us through um, you know our website has information. Um, look for our blog and our devotionals and we look forward to uh, joining again with you soon. Thanks for joining us at the table. If you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to share Tablecast with other women and leave us a rating on your listening platform. Be sure to check out our Facebook community VIP group and remember to subscribe so you won't miss any future episodes. Tablecast is a production of Asha Media.